Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on November the 28th, 2023. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me as always, contacting a lawyer as we speak. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will be going over our November Game Club, which is Need for Speed Unbound. We'll tell you what December's Game Club is going to be. Steam's USD currency change for Argentina and Turkey results in game price hikes. Bethesda is now tailoring replies to negative Starfield Steam reviews. And from our community corner, gamers enraged at Ubisoft for injecting ads into the middle of their video games. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Is there a follow-up? or I don't... Yes. No. Maybe. <laughs> I just said hello and there was just dead air. Oh, there was... A, it did not pick up your response. Discord failed me. I was about to say, oh shit, did I lose you? I mean, I definitely see a waveform, so... Okay, cool. Way to go, Discord. Or my internet, please... No, you've been good for, like, two weeks, Spectrum. Don't fall apart again tonight, after we've already been talking for an hour. Because we did a choosing, and then we did our pregame, and we got some Franken stuff, and now Mm. we're here. We are we're set on Game Club games for the foreseeable future. Um, but to everyone who celebrated last week, hope you had a happy Turkey Day. To everyone who didn't celebrate, I hope it was a decent Thursday. Hopefully nothing terrible happened in your country. Especially no war crimes. Nobody listens to us in areas where mm-hmm. war crimes are actively taking place, but regardless, stay safe out there, folks. Uh, that reminds me, I do need to pick up Dwarf Fortress again. <laughs> Do some virtual war crimes, um, or or, or just go to, back to RimWorld. Yeah, yeah. I thought about putting RimWorld on the list, but I didn't pick up any of the DLC like a dumbass. Uh, so you well, know, this will be a Christmas sale or New Year's sale. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, well, I was doing Christmas shopping, so I didn't do a lot of stuff on the uh, autumn sale. Yeah. Uh, Although, ooh, uh, they have the new puppers uh, out for uh, the Hunter Call of the Wild. Couple of things. Um, Star Ocean. Uh, the Last Hope. Like, I had it. I'm having a nostalgia wave. Um, kind of Need for Speed Unbound did it to me. And we'll get to that very soon here. We'll get started on that. <laughs> but that made me be like, what are some games that I'd like to play from around the same time that I had last played the Need for Speed franchise? And so I installed the last remnant on on my machine to start playing again. That old JRPG. I know I've talked to you about it before, but it's been a while. I might have even talked about it on the show. And then I bought Star Ocean: The Last Hope. Yeah, I remember and then installed to play some other the stuff. Last and boy, did I fucking hate that. <laughs> yeah, you bounced off of it. I really like the last remnant. I just cannot. I cannot figure out the uh, the combat system. Love it. Love it so much. I'll, I'll talk about it on an upcoming episode once I get a little farther into it. I have never beat it, despite having played it several times. Like, every time I play it, I get a little farther and a little farther. So maybe this time I'll actually beat it and see how the story ends after... When did I first start playing that game? I was a senior in high school or a freshman in college, one of the two. So, you know, in the 15-ish years ago range, I started playing that. So maybe I'll finally beat it. Know how the story ends. 
anyways, uh, speaking of that game club mention, uh, why don't you tell the folks who might be here for the very first time what what we do with Game Club? Game Club is our monthly discussion for uh, games that we played at the same time. We typically have some rather unique taste in games, but Game Club is the time that we come together and play on purpose the same game at the same time uh, for a monthly discussion. Yay! <laughs> Which, oh boy, this is going to be a short discussion. (laughs) This month's game club was Need for Speed Unbound, which whenever we picked it, I believe the phrase used was palate cleanse following uh, Starfield. (laughs) And I do think it served that purpose well. I have very little to say about it, but not from a bad context. Like, it's fine. It's an arcade racing game. I guess... If you happen to be a listener who's never played Need for the Need for Speed series, perhaps you're a younger person and your only experience with the series has been the really shitty like last two or three games that they've made. Which also get off my lawn. That that too. But if that happens to be your only experience, Need for Speed Un- Unbound is is I would call it a return to form for the kind Need of. for it kind of it harkens back to the Need for Speed of 15 to 20 years ago um it feels very reminiscent of uh underground 2 and i've got the list pulled up here let's see underground 2 most wanted and carbon um with how it plays out um it's an open world arcade racing game um you know it's illegal street racing the cops come after you there are a lot of car customization options. There's some new things here. We'll talk about some of the unique kind of weird stuff in a minute. But, like, oh. you know, it uses real-world cars, um, or they, they license real-world cars, rather. Um, a lot of customization options you can do to them, street racing. It's got a, a cheesy story with characters that are really cringy. Um, and the whole thing revolves around, you know, drawing you into this, like, secret underground street racing lifestyle and all the cool stuff you can do with that. And just having a really, you know, kind of ridiculous and fun time. And it's not, I mean, it's not amazing. It's really not. But it's also good. It, it's just good. It's good enough to make me feel like I'm playing some of those older Need for Speed games that I remember fondly. So. Uh, see, that's kind of my departure. Is that, I would say it's fine, but. It doesn't make me feel like I'm playing the older Need for Speeds. Partly because the uh, the physics on this game, it just it, it just never really clicked for me. There, it 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 kept feeling like I'm back playing Beat Cop, where it's trying to do too many things at once. You know, it's wanting to be you know you know Tokyo Drift style racing, uh, yeah, an arcade serious racer. Or, or, or I should say, serious-ish racer, you know, where yeah. you, know, you screw up once and you basically lost the race. Need for Speed I'm, Carbon. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's just my unusual control setup because I'm running a DualShock controller, which is you know odd for PC gaming. But I could never find a particular setting where the car actually felt like I was in decent control of it. It always felt like it was incredibly loose. Which I know part of that is, you know, the drifty style racing that they were going for. But 
there was just times that it would start drifting and then suddenly it like uh it caught traction. So my car would, you know, suddenly shoot off the road and oh there goes a couple of places. <laughs> yeah. And it made it very unsatisfying. I remember the original Unwanted, not the I'm not sure if it's a reboot, if they just reused the same name. But it had some, you know, good uh, open world racing. Uh, Escape the Cops, you know, like this one does. But it never felt like I was out of control with the car, you know? Yeah. I mean, both, yes, of, them were, both of them were uh, arcadey as hell. But this one just felt like they... I, I, like they could never figure out what they wanted to do with it. Yeah. I don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, to really quickly, they did reuse the most wanted name. Although I don't know if it was a remaster or a reboot or something. Um, Cause I mean, need for speed is 20 some odd years old and has got, uh, how many games are listed here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five games. Mm-hmm. Um, quote unquote main games, and then there's a whole host yeah. of other ones like mobile titles and weird little tie-ins for stuff. Um, so, but but that was like my era of of Need for Speed that I am the most familiar with is on the original Xbox, starting with Hot Pursuit 2, and then the original Need for Speed Underground, Underground 2, Most Wanted, I got that on Xbox 360, Carbon, Pro Street, Undercover, and then Shift was the last Need for Speed game I played. So, uh, you know, a, a, a little era there. But anyways, I, I mean, I feel, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel like the game didn't know what it wanted to do, I don't feel like it fully executed that properly. I feel like the biggest issue where the game was confused about its identity was the visual style. Because it's got oh, this yeah. weird juxtaposition of photorealistic cars and environments mm-hmm. with this weird shell cell shady comic book-esque... Anime-ish. It's oh. this weird mix for, for the characters and mm-hmm. then for these special effects you can add to your cars, which I thought was a neat touch. Yeah, if the special effects for, like, boosting and stuff were in that style and everything else was, you know, cohesive, I think it would have stood out more. But the fact that your characters are anime for some reason. Yeah, it doesn't look good. They look, genuinely, they look bad. Like, and, and you and I have both said, like, graphics don't necessarily, like, make or break games almost ever. But they can enhance or subtract away from the overall appeal of the game. And yeah, they're weird, like, placeholder-looking graphics. Just because they feel so out of place with the rest of the of the world around them. And I, I would say that I, I had seen screenshots, so I knew what I was getting into when I suggested this. This one's my fault. Uh, but it looks so much worse in action, you know? In motion. Yeah. Uh, screenshots, it, you know, it makes it look like, you know, it's not going to be that bad, but, or, you know, it would, uh, you know, kind of enhance things in some way, but no, it just, it makes it look even worse whenever you see, you know, uh, the, uh, okay, I, I would say that the character models are what does it for me. 
I actually kind of like the effects on uh, the, around the car. Oh yeah, I, I genuinely I, I love kind, those. Of, kind of the graffiti effects. But yeah. you have three clashing art styles here, and it's just weird. Yeah, you could get away with two, two different art styles because you know this this is very you know this is not even pretending because some of the the more recent. And some past entries in the Need for Speed franchise have tried to go more sim-ish. But this game is not pretending at all. It is clearly, I am an arcade racer. And so you could get away with the photorealistic everything, except for those little effects. And it would be beautiful. A lovely sort of, uh, like, a, like a garnish or a little embossment, you know, like, tastefully done, I guess you could say. But yeah, with three very like clashing art styles it's weird it does not work and it also feels really weird whenever you you see a triple a game talking about you know going to the uh, streets and going underground yeah right yep it's like is this what suits think people on the streets talk about it does suffer from some of that too with the cringy dialogue of like like an old person I mean, to be fair, the, yeah, cringy dialogue and story is kind of uh, the staple for Need for Speed. Yeah. Or at least, you know, in the last, I would say, you know, 15 years. Yeah. I mean, the originals were just, yeah, you know, pretty much just a was just an arcade racer with really no story. And I'm talking about the early ones, like Dolph's Days. Yeah, which, by the way, Need for Speed is closer to, like, 35 years old now. Okay, fair enough. Older uh, than I thought, like, mm-hmm. I knew it was in the multiple decades. Yeah. Now, now I'm just sitting here doing the math because I want to make sure I don't make an ass of myself. That's oh. an accidentally typo. Uh, okay, it's uh, going on 30. It's 29 right now. Oh, that's good, I guess. So, I guess technically we're both correct. And as we know, that's the best type of correct. Yeah, the first... The, uh, Original, The Need for Speed, was 94, which actually it looks like there's multiple Need for Speed 2s. Weird, but sure. Or I guess I should say, like, sub-series of, and, I mean, it's a big cranked out, you said, what, like, 20? 25 main games, plus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7... Side or spinoff titles, according mm. to this. So over a game a year. Yeah. Part of me wonders if they originally planned on the anime art style for the entire game. Uh, and I, I, I'm probably being a little asshole, calling it anime, but eh, let's go for it. And the card manufacturers just would not bite, but for whatever reason, they decided to keep like the, you know the character models as, like, the, like, vestigial portion of that art style. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, that's completely just random guessing. I could see it, though, because card manufacturers are really assholish on how they have their cars depicted. Yeah, they, they are. Very particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's the reason for... I'm not sure if it's still like this, but like Gran Turismo back in the day couldn't have crash damage because the car manufacturers that they licensed with wouldn't allow it. Or at least that's always what the what yeah the uh, scuttlebutt was for that one. 
Yeah. I've heard that before. I don't know if it's true or not, but I have heard that before. I you know, I love, how I love how we're both talking about stuff about this game, and neither of us are really mentioning the gameplay at all. <laughs> and that's because, other than you saying, like, you know, the cars handled weird, um, and me agreeing with you that they did handle weird. But, I mean, I really do think that there's nothing to write home about. Like, if you have ever played a Need for Speed game before, or many of one of many other arcade racers, like, you know what you're into. You do some races, you earn some cash, you get better cars, you get... I didn't even got a better car in this game. I just kept uh, going around in kind of circles trying to uh, do decent on a one-street race until running out of uh, continues. Because my car... The car... It's amazing. They made the car both uh, under and oversteer at the same time. The, The... also, like, standard stuff, rubber banding with AI, the mm. cops being able to f- detect you and, like, f- follow you and arrest you, like, randomly when it doesn't feel like they should be able to. Like, mm. all standard fare for this kind of game. Um, and also, zeroing out on the player because, you know, fuck the player in particular. Right. Yeah, especially them. They they know. They know you're the, the protagonist. The weird pseudo-anime protagonist, and mm. they're they're going after you. But like it, re- like yeah, it really is nothing to write home about. It's nothing special. I found it enjoyable, though. I mean, it to me, it was like a solid like B, B minus, B B minus, somewhere in that range. Um, and it, I think some of that that comes down to like how well do you handle the cringiness? Like, I kind of mm-hmm. think that's part of the Need for Speed charm, and I like it because it's bad. But if you don't like it, I could see it being easily like a C. You know, or maybe even a C minus to some of the other little things that could be niggling, like, um, well, you know, the weird steering and mm. uh, some of those other issues that are, I think, inherent to the genre with like rubber banding and and weird, you know, oddities or, like that. Or also that, well, I kind of call it the Forza syndrome at this point, where you constantly have the AI ba- uh, battering you. Uh, you start, yeah, last third portion of the uh, track uh, of the uh, of the uh, uh, field and you have the AI you know, constantly you know, battering and uh, getting in the way uh, while first and second place they're gone yeah I mean there was on one race I was going flat out down a straightaway and it gives you the distance to the next place and I saw them just, ex- you know, going further and further, and I- I- my car's at, like, max speed. It's like, how the fuck are you supposed to win this race? Yeah. I think the I think that neat part is that you don't. <laughs> I will say that, that this doesn't emphasize winning so much, because yeah, you've got true. more of, like, your rivals that you're supposed to be beating, and you can mm-hmm. wager money against them or beating them by a certain number of places. I mean, winning does give you, you know, a little bit more. But you don't necessarily have to. You're just trying to beat, um, you know, the rivals or, or... Yeah, but it's more, you know, egregious showing uh, the rubber banding where, you know, first place is just gone. Second place is, like, almost gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, several hundred yards at, down the road. And at that point, it's just, you know, maybe I'll get there. Oh, no, I just had fourth place rip me in the ass and take it over. Oh, and there goes fifth. <laughs> right. So. I will say, uh, and this is not really directed at this game, 
But EA also made it, at least for my setup, another pain in the ass to play it. Because for whatever reason, the desktop app would not pick up my controller at all. How I had to do it was load the AI, uh, the EA uh, desktop thing through Steam and use the Steam <laughs> uh, inputs to get EA to actually acknowledge that I had a controller connected. That is weird. And I actually tried it with my Xbox controller as well. And it also did not work. I tried it with my virtual controller, which the way my setup works is that whenever I turn on my DualShock controller, uh, it can either do the direct input, uh, which is what the DualShock is. It does not use X input because you have Sony. So it's direct input and the computer, you know, just maps it. And uh, for games that pick up DualShock, it will just, you know, say, uh, uh, you know, press X. Well, where's X? Because, right. Right. Uh, but uh, DualShock, or DualShock for Windows could ha- have a virtual controller and hide the DualShock and basically translate the uh, controls one for one. Yeah, so pressing X on the uh, DualShock is A and you know, circles B, that sort of thing. The EA uh, desktop, the new one, picked up none of this. I've never had an issue like that. Yeah, that is weird. I mean, I've had it where it would pick up both controllers, even if uh, DualShock's uh, trying is supposed to be hiding it. I've had it where it been it would be a little bit glitchy. I've never had it where it picked up nothing to the point that Windows actually sees two controllers when I'm connected uh, like that. If uh, you know, I have stuff turned off uh, for hiding the DualShock. I'm not sure what's going on here. It may just be my setup. But between that and just having to go through Steam to do everything, it also kind of precluded me from playing this a bit more because I was just so frustrated with the physics on it and it just was not doing it for me. Yeah. Which is fair. That's extremely fair. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how long you have to play to get to another car. It was like, you get body kits, and they're visual, and uh, they do absolutely nothing. Uh, how can I fix the uh, goddamn uh, <laughs> uh, attraction on this thing? You're putting a spoiler on the car. The spoiler does nothing. Makes it look cool. How long did you play? Uh, Four or five hours. Okay. I yeah, mean, you to, know. Be fair, to be fair, I did redo a few races, mostly to see if I could get a better spot. And as I learned the track, I did get a little bit better. But this... I, I, I'm going to bring another like parallel to this. Uh, I, I remember looking back at uh, GTA 4's driving model, the more like pseudo-realistic one that they went for. And it was one of those that, you know, if you spend enough time with it, you would eventually master it and feel really good about it. This one, it just felt like it was like some sort of hidden dice roll. If your car was going to drift, if it was just going to drift and bite in, or if it was just going to do nothing. And I'm not sure if it's one of those things that if I spent more time with it and dealt with the very kind of almost overly cringe, like suit level cringe... Uh, dialogue to be able to pl- uh, play some more races. I would eventually get better at it, but 
if I wanted to play Arcade Racer, I'm just sitting here thinking, yo, I could always reinstall Forza, and that's a lot better than this. Forza sets the bar. Forza Horizon sets the bar extremely high for these open world arcade mm-hmm. style racing games. Like, boy howdy, you know. I mean, Forza Horizon is definitely better, and I think sort of like my my final recommendation is if you like, in in, in my opinion, the specific era of Need for Speed from like mm-hmm. 2005 ish to 2010, this game I think will hit for you or at least is more likely to and to play it on game pass i think it's worth a shot mm-hmm. um but if you ha- have no history with the need for speed series or if you're just looking for an arcade style racer and you don't care what it is play forza horizon four and five you know they're both still on game pass um they're just they're just better they are superior they are the open world arcade racing game to beat I know that, um, oh shit, uh, Ubisoft, um, just released one that we haven't, that I haven't played and I'm not interested in playing that looks exact, like an exact, you know, like a ripoff of Forza Horizon. On the crew, uh, Motor Moto, Motorfest? Yeah, I think it's Motorfest. It looks like a direct ripoff of Forza Motorsport, which, you know. I lost so much interest in the crew when they added airplanes. If I were if I wanted airplane racing, I would download Microsoft Flight Simulator. There you go. The the fact that okay, this is going to be uh, be uh, nitpicky on the crew for a moment, but I actually kind of like to be able to switch uh, switch between uh, cars. But whenever you get switched between boats and airplanes, it kind of takes the whole yeah, you know, open world exploration that the first crew game uh, had and like kind of tossed it out the window. Yeah. I had issues with the first crew because of performance, weird performance issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a mess. I mean, you'd go into town and it would just kind of stutter for a while. Yeah. They did eventually make it better, but I did, I did beat the storyline on the crew. I don't remember much of it because it was very, yeah, kind of bland. Right. So, I don't. I don't think I have anything else to say. Yeah, I, I'm probably. We, here's, we, we've been talking about everything but the game club game. I got my my nostalgia hit from it. I will probably never play this game again. That's the thing. It wasn't bad. I had a good time with it. It was a good palate cleanse for Starfield. I'll probably never play it again. Yeah, for me, it uh, it uh, is the wrong era of Need for Speed for me to feel nostalgic for. Yeah. I think I'm more of an a bit earlier Need for Speed fan. Or I, I shouldn't even say fan, but yeah, I enjoyed earlier Need for Speeds. I'm I'm talking about the days where they had the uh, full motion video cutscenes, yeah, the cheesy ones. Yeah. So it didn't scratch that itch. I got frustrated with the racing. I mean, it's not going to be my worst game club game of the year because there's other very strong contenders for that. Extremely strong contenders for that. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) Yeah, but we'll beat that cop when we get to it. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I I, I would put it as passable. If um, If they had it more cohesive... 
and had it where you could tailor your... Uh, that's kind of the other thing I think that kind of bugged me, is that you had no way, at least at the start, to really kind of tailor your car to your driving style. And your character lives in a fucking garage. Right? Classic need for speed. I mean, there are bo- uh, both you and uh, you know, best, uh, you know, platonic good, uh, friend, right? Mm-hmm. Because they had to go uh, platonic because, you know, the character, uh, the player character could be their gender, and they don't want to have to be, uh, be banned in certain countries, right? Yep. Can't so, have that. So, platonic life partner uh, is a huge motorhead, and she can't, uh, you know, tackle your car at all. (laughs) She's worried it would ruin the relationship. (laughs) That's a level of commitment that we're not ready for. I mean, I I looked at the the synopsis for the plot, and it's about as... Well, let's just put it this way. It's a bland uh, Need for Speed plot. Yep. About all the uh, plot points that you would expect happen, happen. Oh no, we're getting in with uh, illegal street racers and people that are very shady. Boy, I sure hope a crime isn't going to happen. Oh no, a crime happened. I sure hope it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, blackmailed by you know, platonic life partner. Oh no, they were blackmailed. Oh. However, could we have seen this coming? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's half, three quarters of every mm-hmm. Need for Speed game. That yeah. does a, a plot like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe there, there's been talk about you know the problem uh, with AI generated uh, uh, content for uh, games and you know writing dialogue and plot and that sort of thing. Maybe we could have uh, them write a better plot. Yeah, you know, just uh, throw chat GDP, GDP at it. You know, uh, it can't be much worse. Nope, hard to do a worse job. Who knows? Maybe they could figure it out how to do a worse job. So speaking of doing a worse job, <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, I guess that works since you're mercenaries in this game. Our next game club <laughs> for December is War Tale, um, a Game Pass open world RPG tact or tactical RPG. Yep, where well, you're playing a band of mercenaries in the medieval era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is uh, no fantasy, so uh, while there is, yeah, uh, okay, uh, probably the closest would be, like, mystical healing potions that, you know, uh, that medicine that would be able to heal health points, and, you know, it's not leeches. But as far as I can tell, there's no magic, no uh, uh, wizards, no elves. There are dwarves, but they're just very short. (laughs) Just short people. Short, angry people. I just clicked install on it, so it'll be downloading while we finish the recording. Woo! And I'll install this on my laptop, too. Something I, I think... I'm, I'm hoping the turn-based nature of this will allow me it to be something I can play at work as well. Which always helps me play games for Game Pass when I can play them yeah, on yeah, my laptop the, in my downtime at, at uh, The at overworld the is not turn-based. It is... But you can pause. Yeah. I played a little bit of it. Uh, it think of it sort of like... Uh, Mountain Blade beats like this is gonna be wrong, but let's go with it anyway. Uh, the uh, ta- uh the combat of XCOM, mm-hmm. where you know it's uh, tactical or uh, tactical uh, combat, but 
uh, real-time-ish uh, uh, overworld. And then whenever you get to town, you know, you're able to send uh, ch- chat with people pretty much as much as you want. Uh, time, like, freezes. I played a little bit of it. I might restart and actually look at some t- tutorials to figure out what the ever-loving fuck, because as far as I can tell, unless you're just, like, deep-diving into the help screens, the game does not tell you a lot of what's going on. Right. Which is kind of par for the course for some of these more open-world games. And for some of them that want to be open-world, but are very, you know, just shallow and boring. Looking at you, Starfield. Where you fast travel everywhere. See that moon? You can fast travel to it. <laughs> but yeah, Wartail. Looking forward to playing this one. Fingers crossed, it's good. Alright, moving on to our first news story of the night. Steam's USD cur- currency exchange for Argentina and Turkey results in game price hikes. Yeah, saying hikes is underselling it. Uh there's been people that said that this is essentially the day that Steam died in these two countries. So, uh, in October, Valve announced that they would be changing the currency used for sales in Turkey and Argentina. All right, they were dropping uh, the the those, uh, the local currencies to go into the U.S. dollar, and they were pushing developers to uh, uh, update their uh, regional uh, prices. And, well, part of it is that the U.S. dollar is, I'm not sure if the proper term is very strong versus the local currencies or uh, or not, but... I believe it's uh, the dollar uh, is strong versus the local currency, meaning that it the exchange rate favors, like, if you've got U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. the currency exchange favors you, and if you don't have U.S. dollars, then you're essentially penalized. Uh, and also, these are two countries that are uh, the average salary is very low. So it's kind of a, a twofold system plus taxes in, I believe it was Argentina are close to a hundred percent for digital sales uh, of after exchange rates and everything. So it saw some games jumping almost 30 times in price just absurd uh, price hikes. Yeah. Uh, Let's see if I can find a... So, take... uh, Okay. Baldur's Gate 3, for example, uh, was originally a a converted price of $28.25. It went up to $35, a 24% 24 increase. Starfield has gone up by the same amount, from $33.91 to $42. Call of Duty rounds out uh, at going from... $56.52 to $70, according to PC Gamer. So, that doesn't sound like a lot, but whenever you consider, I'm just, I'm wanting to double check my, the average salary in Argentina, for example, is $200 US per month. You're looking at over a quarter of your salary for one game. Yeah. And that's also, uh, that's also... Yeah, compounding the issue once again. <laughs> yeah, and that and that kind of thing is just untenable. Like people, you know, I, I was serious, but also joking earlier. Like video games, no video game is worth that much money, and it's like people cannot 
can't live that way. You know, people, yeah, especially when, yeah, when a triple A game is uh, more than your rent slash mortgage. Yeah, the the cost of of living certainly does vary by by areas. You know, both within your local area and globally speaking, and so. In in some places that might seem a little more feasible or a little less feasible, but still, yes, if the cost of of a single video game is more than your month's rent or your month's utilities or your month's food, you know, grocery budget and things like that, like that's that's wild to me. Like in a bad way. Wild in a bad way. As you know, as I said, untenable. Mm, let's see. Far Cry five. I'm over on PC gamer now. Uh, went from uh, went up two hundred forty percent, uh, from the previous Argentinian peso, a converted price of fourteen dollars twelve cents to right at forty eight dollars. Stardew Valley went from uh about fifty cents, uh, to uh, the standard U.S. price, so it's fifteen bucks. Now, now I'm double checking Stardew Valley. Yeah. I believe it was 15 or... Yeah, $15. Which is a hell of a jump. And that's kind of what gets me on... Uh, okay, minor tangent slash rant. Okay? Okay. Uh, uh, Adina and I watch a, a fair amount of YouTube with uh, some of our YouTube creators that we like. And one of the big, uh, like, pushes on, uh, so, on uh, some of the uh, advertisers that uh, has been sponsoring them has been the VPNs lately, and they're really, really pushing not just the yo. Uh, well, we could use this to get the regional uh, Netflix until yo Netflix blocks that because right. I mean, it feels like it's only a matter of time. Yeah, they'll figure out a way. Uh, but the other thing is them uh, pushing about going to. Uh, uh, poorer regions and using a VPN from there to buy games, and that feels so scummy because we are very privileged to live where we are to be able to you know, afford this shit. Yeah, and taking advantage of this uh, the tiered pricing system to try to allow people in these uh, areas to actually be able to play games is. It, it it just feels ick, you know? Well, that kind of region hopping, though, like, that's, you know, the, these gray uh, market queue websites, yeah. they do that a lot. Yeah, that's, they region how, that's hop. how they fund it, half of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the region hop to places where that, you know, the current, either, you know, the prices are legitimately artificially lowered because to, you know, most developers, some money is better than no money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they know that people can't pay these these prices in certain parts of the world, so they lower them, and then the gray market key re- resellers will go buy from those regions and then resell the keys. Another reason to say fuck the uh, gray market, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So it's it's messy. It's messy. Yeah, a part of this is on uh, Steam where. There are some developers that said that they had updated their prices and instead it went for the default conversions. Uh, there, But there's also developers that yeah, just didn't do it. 
I can see why Steam dropped it because if there was a lot of uh, stuff going on, uh, it does it costs money to run that business, you know. Yeah, and if but, we haven't seen it already, you know, in places, I'm sure we're going to start seeing it soon. Developers reporting like their games are being pirated more in these regions. Yeah, piracy by and large is you know the it, the, the issue with piracy has mostly been solved, and it's it's an it's an access issue. If people can get access to the thing that they want easily and affordably, they are much, much, much more likely to buy it rather than pirate it because it's easier. But, you know. Basically, the reason why Valve dropped it was because uh, uh, exchange rate volatility is what they reported back in October, which is something that we didn't cover because... Yeah, at the time, it didn't seem... uh, Okay, uh, important uh, is not the proper term for it, but uh, it flew under the radar. Also, October was our worst month in terms of of figuring out our new schedules. Yeah, yeah, we're still working on that one. But but, yeah, just looking at the the exchange rate over the past, like, week of the Argentinian peso to the U.S. dollar, it is all over the fucking place. So I I definitely understand where they're coming from, but it still yeah. sucks. Uh the uh if you go to the PC gamer article, there's a uh, original story, Steam's regional pricing uh link. And uh there's a link there on uh Steam pricing and uh uh well there's the charts uh there. And you can just look at how wild it is. Yeah. How, with, uh, all over the place. With uh, a downward trend overall. With Turkey specifically, and absolutely I am not claiming to be an expert on any of this, take everything I'm about to say with a grain of salt, um, but there was, uh, there's a, what's the best way to describe what he is? A present day military historian? He's been discussing, like, he's got a weekly, his name, his, his YouTube channel is Perrin, for anybody who wants to go watch his stuff, and he talks about modern day military stuff, and especially with what's progressing due to, initially, the the Ukraine war, and then also now with the whole issue with uh, Israel and, and the Gaza Strip. And Turkey has shown up several times on because of their economic volatility and their relative positioning between these two ongoing uh, war zones. And their their economy has been in shambles for a while. And Just take a look at the... Well, that's Argentinian, but... Yeah, and and I'm, I'm pulling this up. And But their recent sort of economic shift has been towards a military base, mm-hmm. and that's making some sectors surge and subsectors plummet. And is not doing anything to stabilize their their economy, um, because their production of consumer goods and foodstuffs and whatnot is is changing. So, oh yeah, wow. So uh, one, the second one is Turkey. One Argentinian peso, twenty thirteen was worth sixteen cents, and now it's worth ooh, much much less than a tenth of a cent. Or no, wait, no, that would be two-tenths of a cent? Three-tenths of a cent? Quite bad. Uh, today, it's... Oh, God. <laughs> that, that's a lot. Uh, 
Those things are doubly bad, too, because the power of the dollar has slipped recently. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't crashed, but it has dipped in the last couple of years. Yeah, so to see uh, the chart... Cr- uh, let's put it this way. Uh, Argentinian uh, peso to U.S. dollar chart. On the one-year chart, it's lost 53.66 of its uh, value. On the 10-year chart, it has lost 98% of its value. What's the Turkey one? 10 years in Turkey, 93% valuation loss. Previous year, 35% loss. And a lot of that has been last eight, nine months. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, October's, uh, when they uh, announced that they were uh, pulling out of those two countries. So that would be like the w- one month-ish uh, time frame. Yeah. Like if you look at the uh, one uh, one year, it's just down, 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 down. I mean, that's kind of the thing as well as Oh boy, it sounds like I'm kissing Valve's ass on this because I know it's not an easy decision. But at a certain point, you have to, you know, not support it as well. Yeah, there, there's there's no right answers here. No, there are no winners, only losers, mm-hmm. and pirates, and pirates. So, which honestly, if you can't afford a game, just pirate it. Yeah, hundred percent. And under certain certain circumstances, I think if you can't afford a game, you should pirate it. But that's 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 a different discussion for a different time, which I think we've had before. But mm-hmm. um, anyways, okie dokie. Let's oh let's uh, let's uh, get Bethesda back on the line. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So our next news topic. Let me get over here to the right tab. Bethesda is now tailoring replies to negative Starfield Steam reviews. Oh. Yeah, I had not realized that Bethesda's been doing this. Uh, th- there's some theories going around that this is just AI-generated shit. Uh, uh, but it seems a little bit too on-the-nose. Yeah. And there's also... Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, a rogue employee is probably a, ba- a bad term, but a uh, yeah, just a handful and, like, yeah, trying to do damage control. And it's not, like, the full team, but... It's still not a good look. No, it's not a good look. Um, you know, I, I said uh, before we started the the recording proper, like this is not quite as bad as EA's, um, you know, sense of pride and accomplishment comments from a few years ago when they got the most downvoted Reddit post of all time. Mm-hmm. But this is in the same level of cringe. This is, you know, this is um, very sort of like entitled, stuck up kind of guy who like makes a thing and then can't handle criticism of it so it's like mm, you're doing it wrong that's why you didn't like it that's what this feels like to me the main one that or the main one the first one that is highlighted um in the link and i've seen a few different ones but the one that's highlighted somebody um left a negative review for starfield and their response uh thank you for taking the time to leave a review for starfield Given the immense size of Starfield, we felt it made more sense to be able to use your grav drive to jump... Oh, this is the one for fast travel. Uh, where's the one about the moon? That's the one that I like, with the moon <laughs> being empty. 
Oh, wait, here it is. It's down towards the bottom. Some of Starfield's planets are meant are also meant to be empty by design, but that's not boring. When the astronauts went to the moon, there was nothing there. They certainly weren't bored. The intention of Starfield's exploration is to evoke a feeling of smallness in players and make you feel overwhelmed. You can continue to explore and find worlds that do have resources you need or hidden outposts to look for. Yeah, but the thing is, the planets aren't empty because it's the same goddamn uh, points of interest on every single planet. Yeah. It's... They're too... I, I feel like... I mean, there is some copy-paste going on in the ones mm-hmm. that I've seen, but they're too specific. I don't... It could be ChatGPT or another AI generation that is always in the cards forevermore now, but I don't think so. I think this is a, a one guy, a few guys, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like it specifically has to be... As long as it's not, not that, that women one guy. Right. Right, not that women can't be petty, but like this, this really strikes me as that like entitled man thing of like, no, you just don't get it, and and they they're just they feel too specific, mm-hmm. you know. And, and this okay. this feels uh, here's one. Uh, I'm I'm actually on Steam. I'm looking at reviews. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to provide your review, and we're sorry to hear that you're disappointed with encountering many loading screens while playing. While there are uh, maybe loading screens in between fast traveling, just consider the amount of data for the expansive gameplay that the procedurally generated uh, to load flawlessly in under three seconds. We believe that uh, short, uh, that shortcoming will not hinder our players from getting lost in the world we created. And then it goes on, but... <laughs> what? Yeah. It's... Mwah. But also, at the same time, so so uh, silly. There's the, one, there's the one talking about grab drives. Uh, wow, the, Starfield has racked up over 120,000 reviews now. It's sitting right at 61% overall. Oh, sorry, uh, uh, that's recent. Overall, it's uh, 69. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Oh, what uh, what what gave you the giggles there? Okay, so uh, played for uh, fifty uh, for seventy five hours because I need a dopamine fix. Looking back, it's uh, a boring story and a boring world. Also, I cannot get over the one mission I thought would be awesome: finding a ship launched from Earth two hundred years earlier, with the offspring of the original crew finally finding humanity. And they have the same computers with the same operating system on their ship as the rest of the universe. Why? 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 <laughs> uh, Bethesda Faku uh, Yamaka. We uh, appreciate you taking the time to provide your review, and sorry to hear that you did not enjoy your time in Starfield. If you feel that uh, things are getting boring, there is much more to do than the main mission. Well, that's what they're complaining about. There are many side missions where you can uh, uh, learn more about the people and the story of Starfield. You take the time to explore the various planets uh, for resources and items, break the law by smuggling, because, yeah, that really makes the game better, right? Absolutely. And selling contraband. Build your own outposts and uh, starships and customize them uh, to your enjoyment. Uh, there's no enjoyment in that system. There are also many things to do, that, and you can visit our uh, Discord for further ideas from other players. <laughs> and just 
uh, Claymore did not get bored. Yeah, it was a dumb fuck solution. Uh, people are uh, roasting Bethesda in the comments on this one. As they should. Uh, it, it, I, I do wonder if this is them trying to spin it. Uh, spend some of these bad reviews, and they're just so out of touch. But And looking back at Starfield, if it wasn't for their shitty engine, I would think that Starfield was originally conceptualized as a games-as-a-service, you know, like uh, uh, online multiplayer, that sort of thing. And they just couldn't pull off the multiplayer part. Yeah, I could see that. Because there's... Way too much space in that game to uh, necessitate a single player experience. Eh? Eh? Way too much space? Eh? And fast travel. I'll, I'll see myself out now. Oh, uh, please. Yeah. Way to go, uh, Bethesda. Way to go being just cringy and childish. I wonder if any of these have pride ac- an accomplishment in it. <laughs> that would be. That would be something. I was gonna say it would be amazing. It would. It would just be. It would just be pitiful. I think ultimately, that's a the, yeah. That's what I'm gonna go with. It would be pitiful. I mean, a lot of this does seem like it's copied and pasted and then uh, edited to uh, be more about what the person's uh, complaining about. Yeah, which I will agree with PC games, and I think that. Doesn't lean towards AI. This is, uh, uh, and oh god, this is some poor intern having to do this, isn't it? Absolutely, for sure. I can't imagine anyone else that wasn't a poor intern intern having to do this. Can you imagine a programmer having to deal with this <laughs> instead of fixing the goddamn game? I would write a script. Just write a script and execute it. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we just wanted to point and laugh at Bethesda. Yeah, pretty much, honestly. I mean, is there a possibility that Starfield eventually turns into a good game? Yeah, sure. But it's going to require a lot of mod support, and so much mod support that... Is it really a Bethesda game at that point? Yep, the age-old conundrum. No, I No, I don't think so. I don't have any more. I don't have patience for this anymore. Well, I mean, we talked about it. I do intend mm-hmm. to come back to it in a few years, whenever they've given up support for it, and the modding community really gets in there because I like the concept and I love this type of game. But you know, it's not really a Bethesda title at that point. Just like Skyrim, just like the just like Fallout Four. Mm-hmm. I would say Fallout Three. Uh- I had enough meat on the bones uh, that it, uh, mods uh, weren't required to enjoy it. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much of nostalgia is talking with Oblivion. Although I do have my problems with Oblivion. Yeah. I have some problems with Oblivion, but I mean, I, I love it. A lot of it's nostalgia. I heavily mod it and go in and use console commands to deal to just not have to deal with certain things, but... I mean, my big problem with uh, Oblivion was that it was built too much around the uh, compass. So they removed, like, most of the character from uh, Morrowind, where you had to figure out quests and be able to, uh, and world building for what's going on. 
to follow the uh, compass marker. Hello? Yep. Okay. Just making sure you're still there. Nope, I'm here. I uh, I didn't have a formulated response for that. Because you're not wrong. Well, I mean, Oblivion is ultimately the start of the fast travel conundrum where that leads to Starfield at the end of it. But know. Yeah, that's also another problem is that we'll have way too much reliance on fast travel there. Yeah. Uh, more when, if I recall correctly, uh, only fast travel was the stilt striders and uh, I think a couple other modes of transportation like ferries and that sort of thing. There was, yeah, there's the silt striders, there's boats, there is uh, Mark and Recall, which is a spell mm-hmm. you can learn, although that's very yeah. limited. Yeah, but and it's then, basically like a hearthstone from uh, World of Warcraft. And then with the Mages Guild, um, there were some teleportation stones. Um, so, And you, the main way to get around was the Boots of Blinding Speed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, using the uh, the little glitch so that you wouldn't actually be blinded. Uh, that's not a glitch, that's a feature. 100% resistance for one second. Alright, this may not a glitch, exploit, whatever, but, you know. And I mean, that's fine, like, 100%, that's fine, not complaining, you know, oh, I like no, that. If, if you want to talk exploit for Oblivion, uh, look at some of the speedrunners that just stack potion upon potion upon potion. Do you mean Oblivion or Morrowind? Uh, uh, Morrowind, sorry, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Alchemy and Morrowind was just busted. And they tried... Uh, I think that's... I think uh, Oblivion is kind of the a point where Bethesda started to try to rein in the craziness a little too much. Yeah. And now they've just gone full bland. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. But... Anyways, um, yeah. So let's let's move on to our final topic of the night, which is a community corner submission to us, um, by Jim. Hello, Jim. Gamers, That's startling though. No, gamers enraged at Ubisoft for injecting ads into the middle of video games. Oh boy. <laughs> so, have you seen an actual video of this? I have. I have. Okay. Whether the guy's like in a loading screen or goes to the pause menu or some, I can't remember what it, he does. But it, then it was it gameplay. Pops up. Go, uh, go to the pause menu, and it's full on like freeware mobile title uh, ad that you have to actually you know, press a button to get out of uh, to get to the pause screen. Yeah, supposedly this was a technical glitch, and it was supposed to be a different ad, essentially uh, promoting. The next Assassin's Creed, I think it was. I mean, it's still bad and dumb. That's not really any better. Yeah, maybe I mean, maybe ten percent better, but yeah. But why, why? Why do you have this here? It doesn't matter, yeah, you know, what it's showing if it's taking me out of the. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, okay, so. Yeah, the uh, video on TechSpot has, uh, uh, you know, it's not the one I saw, but it's pretty much the same thing. And I'm waiting to see what the, uh, uh, read the excretion. Come on, where is that? While you're reading uh, that, I will oh, okay. say, oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, no, go ahead. So I, I will say, like, while this is the most egregious so far in a AAA title, 
there have been ads showing up in AAA games for a while now for microtransactions or for their DLC. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows up. In some ways, it's done in a way that makes sense because there will be a tab. Like Forza has this tab and a bunch of others where it's like, coming soon or next week's whatever or upcoming DLC or things like that in in the tab. You know, the announcements mm-hmm. tab. And, you know, fair enough. That's fine. But then other games, which Forza... Uh, Motorsports 5 started this, um, as did uh, really a bunch of stuff in in the last decade. We'll have ads for their in-game microtransactions or speed boosts, you know, XP boost whatevers that will show up um, just right there on the equipment menu or whatever. And I I think of that as like ad placement in a sense. You know, mm-hmm. they are advertising the fact that you can pay to to speed up the grind on this game that you already paid for. It's not a pop up ad, but, you know, it's the same thing as like a banner ad or a sidebar ad on a website in my mind. OK, so here's the full thing. OK. Uh, we have been made aware that some players encountered a pop up message in game while playing certain Assassin's Creed uh, titles yesterday. This was the result of a technical error that has been now fixed. Our intention was to display a promotion for Assassin's Creed Mirage as part of the franchise news in the main menu of other Assassin's Creed games. Unfortunately, this technical uh, error caused the promotion to appear in one of our in-game menus instead. We went to ensure the best player experience possible. Well, then why are you playing Assassin's Creed? I know, oh, right? So, uh, sorry, a little neutralizing. And these disruptive pop-ups were promptly removed once we learned of the issue. We appreciate your understanding as we investigate the cause of the issue. I mean, honestly, uh, tinfoil hat me wants to think that this was a test run for them putting you know, full-on ads into the pause menu, you know? Because... I. I think that's exactly it. I don't think that's tinfoil. We've seen these types of behaviors before. Yeah, and just step it back, you know, have it like a test run. Mm -hmm. I mean, how the hell do you go from putting a thing on the main menu to having not just going into the pause menu, but also, you know, proper button prompts to, you know, get out of it? I mean, yeah. it just, it, it, it feels like they're in damage control mode on a test run of something. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's tinfoil hat, because we've seen those types of behaviors before. With introduction of loot box mechanics, and mm-hmm. microtransactions, and certain DLC practices, and, you know, they'll do a thing, they'll get some backlash, they'll walk it back a step, maybe two, and then later on... They'll do it again, then there'll be last backlash, or maybe none at all, and so on and so forth. Like, yeah, I hundred percent think that that is the that is the correct answer. I mean, sure, there's always a chance that it was some kind of boo boo. Somebody, you know, checked the wrong. But you know, maybe it's. I mean, how bad is the spaghetti code behind the scenes if this does it? If they're I'm willing sure to put it on the main menu, I'm sure it's awful, but. You know, I could foresee, like, you know, they have built some interface for doing these updates or these promotions, and you can click, like, there's a checkbox. Where do you want this to show up? And if somebody clicked the wrong checkbox, then, 
you know, then I could see that being a way that it accidentally shows up on the main menu. Mm. I, I do find that plausible, but less likely than it being purposeful as a test. Yeah, but, you know, uh, Ubisoft is such an upstanding company. Right. They have never done anything wrong. None of their executives are, or, or upper management or have been harassed, or harassed, have been arrested for sexual harassment charges recently, within, like, the last month. Never. I was going to say, what, within the last week, to make that true? <laughs> yeah. So. so. Yeah. Ubisoft are liars. So I don't believe them when they say it was an accident. It could mm-hmm. have been, but I don't believe them. If anything, you know, uh, it, I, I believe them even less now. Yeah. And also, you know, a whole 20% off Mirage. Woo. Woo. <laughs> I mean, you're already playing an Assassin's Creed game. What, what can Assassin's Creed Mirage have uh, uh, over this, right? What else can they do to hurt you? I mean, uh, outside of uh, yeah, playing like Assassin's Creed Black Flag, like, that's just objectively worse. Yeah. Because no pirates. You're matey. But, yeah. So, I don't... I guess we'll see how this goes. But mm-hmm. I, I'm... Well, I, th- I have a feeling this one's just going to be, you know, uh, just forgotten about in Tom. And they'll do it again later on. Mm-hmm. Or do something else, you know? Yep. Because that's kind of how it works, is that uh, they'll do something that's egregious, and then they'll step it back a little bit, and like, oh, it's not that bad, at least it, it's not this. Yeah. So, uh, they're, uh, they're murdering puppies, but at least they're not murdering orphans like they were talking about. Right. <laughs> a, a weird, but also, like... Apt description. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, slight uh, tangent, but let's go for it. Have you heard about the orphan cr- crushing machine? No. Oh, oh. Let, let me enlighten you to subreddit. It, it, it's appropriate. Okay. Oh. Um. Okay. So you know how whenever you go to like uh, heartwarming news stories, it's like, yeah, but that, that, that's. It, it, that sucks because the system's in place. It's the orphan crushing machine. What, in case anyone is confused and or concerned as to why this sub is named orphan crushing machine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that checks out. As an American, that checks out. Uh, for those who are curious, every heartwarming human interest story in America is like, he raised $20,000 to keep 200 orphans from being crushed in the orphan crushing machine. Then never ask why an orphan crushing machine exists or why you need to pay to prevent uh, it from being used. Yep. As an American, that, that hits really close to home. Absurdly, obscenely close to home. I don't, I don't like this. But also, I understand. Uh, you're welcome for a little existential gr- dread. Yep, yep, now I'm now I'm sad again. Oh well. Alrighty. Uh Rage, where can people send us more things if they want to for Community Corner? Well, if you wish to do so, you could drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at VGLpodcast.podbean.com. You could email it to us at VGLpodcast at gmail.com or you could tweet us. And yes, it's still a tweet, goddammit. Don't, don't, don't make me fight this. <laughs> 
I, I will take Elon Musk into the ring. <laughs> Beat the shit out of Elon Musk. I- I'll make him uh, crap for his mommy. Mommy, I want some more Emerald Diamond money, please. Emerald uh, Mine money, mommy. You tweet us a your podcast over there. Indeed. I, I, mean, I would say that he, uh, you know, he backed out of the Zuckerberg fight, but I've seen Zuckerberg. <laughs> he has that Android strength. Zuckerberg, though, like, I, I mean, I don't know if Zuckerberg could go toe to toe with like a real MMA fighter or something, but like he genuinely trains. Like, yeah, but uh, uh, Zuckerberg could uh, take on pudgy uh, Edge Lord. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You don't know how much I would have spent uh, for a, a pay-per-view on that. I would have spent hundreds of dollars to watch that fight. <laughs> and you know it would be over quicker than a Mike Tyson fight in his heyday. Oh, yeah. One, two rounds tops. But well, still. Two rounds? I'm thinking like ten seconds. Yeah. Elon Musk has a really thick head. Like, he has to. So I would imagine he could... He could he could take a few punches. Yeah, but Elon Musk also looks like somebody that's never gotten a bit slapped before. <laughs> it acts like it. True. True. I, I would I would say one haymaker and he'd be out. And he and also go you know, the uh, is it uh, who who linked that in our Discord? Uh, the Edge Lore or uh, Jim? Of course, it's Jim. Yo. Uh, Elon Musk nominated for the most dangerous gamer at the Game Awards. Yeah, from uh, Hard Drive, the uh, uh, satire site. And yes, I know it's satire. Uh, but yeah, this Edward stuff that he does all the time as well, it, it just screams to me some way that, yeah, has never gotten uh, the shit knocked out of him once. Although, from a certain point of view, Elon Musk is the most dangerous gamer because... He's a billionaire who has caused incalculable amounts of harm to people mm-hmm. through his awful, horrendous business practices. So, True. in a way, like, yeah. Anyways, um, what, uh, hey, hey, Rach, why don't you hit him with, with your socials? How can hey, people hey, can... Hey, do you think we'd get Elon Musk to, like, buy uh, Ubisoft and tear it down? Ooh, that would be an interesting proposition. Oh, I just, ha- I just had a wonderful thought. Elon Musk as a weapon of economic damage. Just point him at a company and watch the profit margins fall. That would be sweet. Although, to be fair, did Twitter ever really make profit? No, but they got close a couple of times. Well, not now. (laughs) No, definitely not. So yeah, why don't you hit him with your socials there? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. Uh, I still have my Twitter active, but I haven't tweeted in a while because I don't want to encourage the shit ahead. Yeah. You could uh, uh, tweet at me, though, and I may see it eventually. I gave me a CR. Uh, you could uh, contact me on Steam Caffeine Rage. And you've been? I have been Jared. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. I got a Blue Sky invite code finally, so if you happen to be on Blue Sky, you can find me over there at JMA4707. Um, uh, there's some extra tacked on bits. They're supposed to be having a or opening, like a, a website, st- opening a website, fuck, starting creating, whatever, a, a web page that is 
I assume just going to be a copy of Twitter because that's what Blue Sky is. Blue Sky is a copy of Twitter yeah, from that's what... like a few years ago. That mm-hmm. if it forked off and instead of becoming full of like awful spam and garbage and neo Nazis, it just got a nicer interface and a larger character limit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. Blue Sky's good. I like it. Yeah, that's and then, what Threads is right now. It doesn't have a website, which severely limits the usability of it. Yeah. Then also, 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 you can find me uh, on our Discord server, of course, um, and you can just find me, you know, wherever you see like a, a fat guy like walking into a buffet. That might be me. Who knows? I got long hair and glasses, so hmm. yeah. Anyways, uh. What's what's next? Do do the next thing. <laughs> my brain, my brain is like yeah. It's almost like we haven't done this in a while. It's well in that, and it's spinning down. The hamster's getting oh, yeah. real tired on the wheel in there. <laughs> yeah, it's now in its office chair, spinning around. Going, yep, checks out. Uh, let's see. Once again, you can contact us via podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics. Uh, tweet them to us, VGL Podcast, on uh, the Blue Burb. Or you can drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that all the way at the top at vglpodcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible, and we're good for another year. I saw the bill and uh, uh, the uh, email, so woo! Yep. Woo! Uh,. So thank you to our lovely patrons. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. Oh wait, I didn't give a pa- uh, patreon.com slash podcast. Our uh, intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. Find his work over at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. Bye bye. That works. That works. Oh, oh I was holding that one in. Oh. <laughs>